0: Piece of paper so valuable as someone will kill you for it. Somewhere out there, there's proof that you're only what you own. Somewhere out there, there's complaints about the aisles we have. You got yourself a blue light special You got yourself a blue light special You raced through the sales right You saved some bills And then you drove home in your white minivan And matched the white picket fence You know you just hide behind Then one day you die And your gravestone matches the guys right next to yours You got yourself a blue light special Yeah. A paper so valuable someone will kill you for it?
1: Are there people that are too uninformed to vote? Should we make that a test you have to pass, or is that leaning too far in the wrong direction?
2: Well, I, I think that might be um, leaning too far in the wrong direction. When you brought up the vote with your conscience, I don't really know how that can fit in. Uh, being informed or educated on things, it has much to do with your conscience in listening to somebody, uh, a candidate for any office you're, you're voting into, listening to that person and, and feeling with your conscience and your heart how you're going to vote on that person. What is it we're actually going to be educated on as far as voting is concerned? Are we going to be educated on the the branches of government? Are we going to be educated on that person's um, individual or the candidate's individual politics and how that plays into Our government tree, it starts off in school as a very uh, generalized education when we learn the branches of government and how that plays into politics. It's an interesting question because immediately in my heart, I feel like, no, I don't think we should place, you know, an obligation to be quote unquote informed because what does that mean?
3: It, It would be great to sit there and say, okay, well, everybody knows what everybody's stance is on on all the issues. Um, but I think it kind of goes back again to, okay, well, even though we vote these people into office, they really don't end up standing for what they campaigned on to begin with. And then how are they getting their information? Is it from Fox, and MSNBC, or is it from the BBC and, and other types of, of media? What information, and this comes back to, <laughs> I guess the point of the show, the truth Taking kind of a journalistic, true journalistic point of view from it, not having your own opinions, but actually just stating the facts. So the information, I think, as far as how they're informed, where is that going to come from, and how do we say, okay, well, this person got it from this place, so we can say, yeah, they can vote.
4: You cannot test people because you have a hard enough time getting them to the polls (laughs) so to tell them to show up to take a test in order to vote is really just going to bring out the people who really are informed and want to have a say anyways and i think that's the 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 greater problem to democracy is not the uninformed voting it's the lack of interest in politics in the first place and the lack of desire to get out and vote this is a total example of it. I was starting to read the article. This is our this is our society. Started reading your article, Too Uninformed to Vote, and I got distracted by this little square over here that says, Burt Reynolds heart surgery successful but not dramatic. Okay? This is how our society works now. There's no article that is uninterrupted by other thoughts. Everything is little snippets of thoughts. This is how our society works now. And we're so distracted. Why don't they have little snippets like that going? Why don't we have like those at the bottom of everything, uh, of every reality TV show, informing people about um, the different branches of government or informing people about the different political points of view. or I, I mean, they need, to, they need to start making things more intelligent rather than dumbing it down and getting people out of that thought process. I think that's the greater question um, to resolve rather than whether people are smart enough to vote or informed enough to vote, it's that we need to put more into the education of people so they are thinking for themselves and realizing the importance of um, their opinion and their participation in society in general.
1: Joshua, do you think certain people are too uninformed to vote, or do you think that that would take away from the ability for us to have a democracy and lead us further into uh, oligarchical types of systems, you know, monarchies, etc.?
5: Um, I guess one question I would ask is who makes that t- distinction? What bar do we set uh, if you were going to impose that as some sort of guiding principle or a prerequisite? Would it be what uh, any um, foreigner who comes in here who is requesting citizenship, the same test that they would have to pass? Would it be driven by political parties? How would you keep it fair, balanced, and objective? I honestly don't know. I could go either way with it. One would seem well, as the article points out, almost un-American, to take away people's vote because they don't have the right. But there are certain things that you should be informed about before you're allowed to, to voice an opinion that has lasting impact. Um, I think that there is some merit to it. I think the answer, obviously, is to continue to enlighten and educate the society. But who, who's, who gets to make this statement? Where's the baseline of, of knowledge that you have to know before you're allowed to participate in the electoral process? I mean, and technically... Isn't that what school is supposed to be doing anyway, is teaching about government and teaching about the various branches and the various roles and functions? So I mean, this goes back to how the educational system in this country is flawed because it's not teaching these basic things about how our society even works, how we are governed. It just seems like the further down the rabbit hole you go, uh, you know, the more you just, it, it all begins to unravel. What seems like a, an easy question is not just a yes or a no, because you take one stance, and ramifications of that can be dire.
1: We already have a system set up in our country, as I'm sure is the case in Canada and other countries where everyone's allowed to register to vote at a certain age. So we already have set a certain kind of example of who is is too uninformed to vote, and we've decided that that's people under 18. And there was a time in our country where uh, the voting age, I believe, was 20. It might have been 21. And then largely because of the, the work of the Democrats. They wanted younger people to be able to vote because it was in their best interest. So that's why the age, was, age limit was dropped down. And there's even been, been uh, talk in the Democratic Party of lowering it further still, thinking that especially young people would, would be more in line with uh, an Obama as opposed to Actually, it's a whole other topic. At what age should people be allowed to do certain things that we all as granted in our adult lives. Voting, sex, drinking. In our country, at 18, you can carry a gun, spend a night in jail, buy a porno mag, die for your country, but you still can't have a, a sip of alcohol. It's an issue that was a pretty big deal to me when I was around that age. Even when I was 22, 23, I was still kind of vehemently opposed to the restriction. When you know that there are countries like Spain where... A seven year old can go into a bar with his dad without issue and can have a sip of his drink and no one flips out. And we have this pseudo puritanical background in the United States, but Celine, what is what is the age requirement in Canada for voting?
4: It's eighteen here as well. And it was exactly the same reason it was uh I think it was actually older than that initially. But because of wartime and sending and they and they were uh, the conscription; they were sending people to war, and so because of that, uh, they decided that eighteen was the the official voting age. When adulthood hit, it was eighteen. Although drinking in uh, different provinces are different ages. Like in Alberta, the drinking age is eighteen, but in BC it's nineteen, and in Saskatchewan as well. So, so you can you can vote, but you can't drink in some provinces. Not to uh,
1: stay on the topic of whether or not people are too uninformed to vote, but doesn't that beg that question again? What age should people be allowed to vote, and why at that age?
4: I think that somebody at some point had an arbitrary number set in their head to get people out of the house They were tired of living with their children. But um, (laughs) maybe not quite. But um, that's a really good question, and I think that I was much more interested and involved in politics in high school um, and really looking forward to my first time voting, and it was very important to me that I make a good informed decision, and I took that very very seriously. And I think um, I, I don't know if it was just instilled by parents and, and parents helping their kids understand why it's important to vote and what rights can be taken away from you if you don't exercise them, which is really bigger, the bigger question and. Than than age alone, but certainly there are going to be more some more intelligent fifteen year olds than than forty year olds in the world. But it's just like anything else, it's it's a rite of passage in some sense.
6: Whatever happened to childhood? We're all scared of the kids in our neighborhood. They're not small, charming, and harmless. They're a violent bunch of bastard little shits. Anyone who looks younger than me Makes me check for my wallet and my phone and my keys And I'm tired of being tired out Always being on the lookout for thieving kids We're all wondering how we ended up so scared We spent ten long years teaching our kids not to care that there's no such thing as society anyway And all the rich folks act surprised When all sense of community dies And you just close your eyes to the other side Of all the things that she did Thatcher fucked the kids rich only ever talk of charity in times like the 70s a broken down economy meant even the upper tier was needing some help but as soon as things look brighter yeah the grin gets wider and the grip gets tighter and for every teenage tracksuit mugger, there's a guy in a suit who wouldn't lift a finger for anybody else we're all wondering how Ten long years teaching our kids not to care, And that there's no such thing as society anyway. And all the rich folks act surprised when all sense of community dies. But you just close your eyes to the other side of all the things that she did. That to fuck the kids. away the ladder told the rest of us that life's a bitch and it's no surprise that all the fuck-ups didn't show up until the kids had grown up but when no one ever smiles or ever helps a stranger is it any fucking wonder our society's in danger of collapse so all the kids are bastards but don't blame them. Yeah, they learn by example. Blame the folks who sold the future for the highest bid. That's right. That's your fucked the kids. Fresh.
1: One of the things that I'm sure most people would agree with that's been left out of the conversation thus far is how important it is to be involved in your actual community and to vote for your local elections. Because if you're not doing that, then you're basically every four years barely participating at all. It's a sporting event Which you're doing it every four years. It's a new Super Bowl. There's a team to root for and your opposing team to root against. Whereas if you're if you're voting in your local elections, you're actually very directly partaking in, in, in what's going to affect you and your neighbors. And, and not only that, but you're, you're part of your community in another way. Now, ideally, that's, I think, where we're heading as a world, where, where we're thinking globally and acting locally considering ways to be sustainable and trying to support our our local grocer as opposed to going to the Walmart or the Cisco or the, you know, whatever. Politically, we need to do the same thing, and a lot of us do. Definitely the uh, the local outlook politically is, is where you can make the, the largest strides in change, I believe.
3: So, so then maybe instead of, if you have enough knowledge to vote, maybe, maybe... Um... You have to vote enough locally then to actually vote for a presidency
1: whoa what about
4: that that's actually a really good way to keep records but then it's no longer an anonymous vote now is it
1: great point though brian i mean really that's like revolutionary i had not ever thought of of that
4: that statement actually just makes all of us who actually participate in society i mean i think that's that's the gist of where we are, right? So, Joshua, I want to hear your opinion on it.
7: How
5: many? And um, does that not start until you're 18? And then so maybe you have to spend several years voting in minor elections before you're allowed to vote in a presidential. So by the time you're, what, 21 or 22, you can vote in the presidential election. It's an interesting concept, honestly, uh, to pay closer attention to what's happening in your own backyard, where, you know, I think uh, we, we all should spend a bit more time being informed of what our local elected officials are doing because it's often something that we can actually get out and and visit and be a part of. So, I mean, it, it has it has merit. I would like to see how it works on paper.
1: Yeah, I think the semantics would have to be you know, figured out. Like the idea, I think, is, is really is revolutionary. I've never even heard of that. You know, I know about runoff voting.
2: I think that, you know, it would definitely, regardless of, you know, how it might... Be played out with semantics and on, and on paper, because that I think would be the struggle of trying to put into play something as different as that. But I think it would really make the presidential candidates then be more involved in the local the votes and, and then, you know, basing their campaign on those local issues are and also kind of in a trickle down, if you will theory, would also incorporate young young voters to become more aware of what their local issues are. And the president would have to really be knowledge of, knowledgeable of that himself. He would have to take recognition and acknowledge down to the local uh, points of view.
1: Yeah, it would be in the president's best interest to be involved in the interest of his actual constituents. Things that are wedge issues that are basically strategies by our primary parties here in the United States would no longer work because you couldn't bring up gay marriage and, and abortion. And again, just to reiterate my thoughts on that so you don't, if it's the first time you're hearing me say these words, it's not that those issues don't matter. It's just that they're not the issues. They're not the things that are actually affecting the state. There's a lot more things that involve our basic needs that our candidates should be talking about rather than, than these other issues. No one can get us all wrapped up in semantics if they are we're being reared in an environment that is a 16 year old kid is probably going to be itching to vote by the time he's 18 if his family has been brought up in that same environment and then thinks well you know what I don't care about this now but I'm just going to go vote so that by the time actually this, this is a whole other yeah it could have adverse effects in that way
4: my thought about it is, like, we had student council in high school, so you had the right to vote then. Um, you had you had uh, student committees available throughout university, students' union members and representatives. Those were opportunities uh, for underage political activism, and that would affect your community as is. So I think that I guess in a way we already do have that ingrained into uh, into us that voting creates you know, an end result, regardless of whether it's what you voted for or not. But that would have given us the basic sense of democracy that you vote for so and so and for their ideas. And so I guess in a way, we do kind of have that system already in place. It's just like, it's not a prerequisite, but it is an introduction.
5: Well, that's what the educational system going to school is supposed to teach you. You you should be informed by the time you graduate from high school. Of course, we know that the educational system has kind of gone to shit. One fear that I would have in uh, something like that is that it adds another layer, yet another layer of complexity uh, upon a system that is already kind of too complex as it is. The tracking and the voting and how you go about monitoring it and, you know, would bring up all kinds of questions about fraud and, you know, well, so-and-so didn't vote in their final election prior to, so they, they didn't have the, you know, shouldn't have had the ability to vote in, you know, the presidential, and you know, I can just see, like, issues arising out of it because any time you add another of complexity into a system that is already kind of broken, I don't know, it, it, I don't have the answers. It's a, it's a novel idea. It's one that I have not, you know, contemplated before, but like I said, I'd, I'd have to see how it would actually implement. How does money influence voting?
1: The- are there ways that you think money has influenced voting,
2: whether it was positive or negative? Money plays a key role in voting now, campaigning for one, which influences vote in a huge numbers. How, how much money you can throw into a campaign, uh, the more numbers, the better. Um, but I think the epitome of all that, for me anyway, and again, here's my frustration. Can you hear it my voice? Um, (laughs) It was the Gore-Bush election where it was able to be bought. I've read many things that that say yay or nay or that didn't happen or that did happen, but the fact is money sways votes. And whether you want to put it into campaigning or just the complete landslide of a vote or, or corrupting a vote, definitely, definitely plays a role.
7: Washington the Marine Band plays Hail to the Chief for George W. Bush, 43rd President of the United States. But in Florida, some are singing Hail to the Thief. And we want to know if George W. Bush won the election or did brother Jeb steal it for him? Our investigation suggests that the answer lies at the Capitol and in a very expensive contract between Governor Jeb's division of elections and a private company named DBT, which accidentally wiped off the voter rolls thousands of democratic voters 18th floor division of elections we've come to ask mr clayton roberts the director a few questions roberts agreed to talk but became a bit uncomfortable when he learned that we had obtained the secret dbt contract and asked him if he knew what dbt were up to
5: no i didn't ask dbt to they do what we contract them to do uh-huh. we have a statute that says we have to have a
7: private company to do this we put it out for bid. they got the bid.
5: And I think I'm done with this interview.
7: Wait, well, let me, just add, let me just show you the contract, if I could. Mr. Roberts, wait. It says here, right in the contract, that the verification is supposed to be done by DBT, that you paid them $4 million. Don't you, it could look to other people, don't you think that you paid $4 million to purchase this election for the Republican Party? 95% wrong on the felon list? Mr. Roberts, could you just please answer the question regarding the contract? Instead, Mr. Roberts called out state troopers. I don't know why I had to call the police. We had not gotten to our difficult questions yet. The difficult questions are, did Governor Jeb Bush, his Secretary of State, Katherine Harris, and her Director of Elections, Clayton Roberts, know they had wrongly barred 22,000 black Democrat voters before the elections? After the elections, did they use their powers to prevent the counting of yet another 20,000 votes for Al Gore? This is database technologies. This is the company that the state of Florida hired to remove the names of people who committed serious crimes from the voter list. I've obtained a document from inside this outfit. It's marked Confidential Trade Secret. It says that the company was paid millions of dollars to make telephone calls to verify that they actually got the right names, but they didn't. There's nothing in the state of Florida files that says that they actually made these telephone calls. So the question remains, why did the Republican leaders of this state pay millions for a list that stopped thousands of innocent Democrats from voting. The first list from DBT included 8,000 names from Texas supplied by George Bush's state officials. They said they were all felons, serious criminals barred from voting. As it turns out, almost none were. Local officials raised a ruckus, and DBT issued a new list naming 58,000 felons. But the one county which went through the whole expensive process of checking the new list name by name found it was still 95% wrong. Because of the way DBT generated the list, every genuine black felon in the United States could knock out every black voter in Florida with the same surname and similar date of birth. And that's why the NAACP is suing Florida for violating voters' civil rights.
6: Thank you, Florida.
7: Altogether, it looks like this cost the Democrats about 22,000 votes in Florida, which George Bush won by only 537 votes. If you're going to do it, by all means, as a matter of due process, as a matter of fairness, it's got to be done with excruciating care. It's a democracy. The vote counts. There's a lot of public concern that the contractor who was selected uh, to do this is a firm that seems to have ties to the Republican Party. And they will be putting our evidence to database technologies. Their vice president, James Lee, told Newsnight that manual verification by telephone calls does not mean ringing people up to check they've got the right person. So were they paid $4 million to produce a list which they knew would name thousands of innocent black people? In fact, DBT told Newsnight that Clayton Roberts and the state of Florida wanted there to be more names then were actually verified as being a convicted felon. So did they use their powers to prevent the count of 20,000 additional votes for the Democrats? Wacky butterfly ballots caused thousands in this Democrat town to accidentally mess up. And they were refused replacement ballots promised them by state law. In all, Palm Beach voting machines misread 27,000 ballots. Jeb Bush's Secretary of State, Catherine Harris, Stop them counting these votes by hand. She did the same to Gadsden, one of Florida's blackest, poorest, and most Democrat counties, where machines failed to count one in eight ballots. Again, Harris stopped the hand count. This alone cost Gore another 700 votes in an election in which Harris declared George Bush winner by only 537 votes.
4: And in accordance with the laws of the state of Florida, I hereby declare. Governor George W. Bush, the winner of Florida's 25 electoral votes for the President of the United States.
7: Harris was a busy woman in charge of Florida's vote count and co-chair of Bush's presidential campaign. In Britain, you count the votes, then announce the winner. In Florida, they declare the winner first, and here we are, still counting the votes. They are carefully going through the 179,000 855 uncounted ballots that Harris did not want tallied. They'll know the winner next month. Sources tell Newsnight gore's ahead by 20,000 votes. One Democrat whispered they would have done the same as Katherine Harris if they had the chance. State officials point the finger at the counties and say it's their responsibility to check if the names on the list are real felons before disqualifying them. Clayton Roberts says his job is just to pass on the list. Roberts now admits he didn't bother to check with DBT if innocent people were on it.
3: Uh, Please turn off
7: that camera. Off camera, he said. We did not call and say, did you check the list again? The whole tenor of this is like, okay, you screwed up. You didn't check with DBT. And if you want to hang this on me, that's fine. It's certainly fine for George W. Bush. Even if investigators conclude that Jeb Bush and the Republicans conspired to steal this election. The man in that house, for the next four years, will be George W. Bush.
3: Well, yeah, advertising definitely um, gets certain attention of voters, of the people. And then, of course, then there's the, the long term, where if a representative is in office, and uh, certain corporations fattened their pockets on their campaign trail, well, guess what? They're going to have to vote or be persuaded <laughs> to vote towards those corporations' ideas.
4: Well, I can't really say much about money and the vote, but definitely because there are, I think there are more rules with uh, caps on campaigns in Canada. So our voting wasn't uh, but, I mean, we have just as much of that uh, – slanderous campaigning and as, it, as the US does, I know we do but, and I know that there are, they have changed rules over the last decade when it comes to contributions and the actual financial amount that people are allowed to accept in contributions to either campaigning or to the party in and of itself so I think that they're trying to somehow stay away from that money track. But, um, you know, I think it always comes right back down to the same things is that I think the media has so much more influence and they don't really take much responsibility in who they influence and how. Because they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be impartial, they're supposed to be bringing you facts, but they're always hinged one way or another. And so it's always up to us, the people, to Serve out what the truth is, and to ask the pointed questions so that we can make an informed vote, whether we have money or not.
1: Obama, one thing I can't necessarily fault him directly for, and that is received more money in campaign contributions than any president in history. And this last campaign, between the two of them, was just astronomical. And now we're in a what I'm saying I can't fault him directly for is that. He's chosen to participate in, in a system that will not only enslave him to the you know, the wishes of his corporate masters that are the masters of all all the people that you see prominently featured in politics. They, they all accept all this money. And now we're in a position where there's endless campaigning. How much time do they have to spend with these $1,000 per plate dinners when they could be spending that actually doing the right thing? Like... One of the things that infuriated me the most most recently was Obama came to San Francisco a few months ago to, to have another campaign fundraising dinner. That day, he stopped in New Orleans for about an hour and a half, basically to say, I'm going to give you a bunch of rhetoric, make you feel good about yourself, make you feel like I'm actually there for you. But i got to hurry off and do my real job, which is getting that money from those people in San Francisco. they got a lot of money. And... I mean, that really is what they're doing. It's just further evidence that there is no way for them in this current system in the United States, there's no way for them to represent us, even if if they had our, our interests at heart. Unless there was someone that was really going to throw a wrench into the process, like a Ralph Nader, or the Dennis Kucinich, or et cetera, et cetera. The money is politics now. And it's not whether money influences it, it's, it's to what degree and uh, with the most recent Supreme Court decision. I think what we're in, in store for is movie idiocracy. That's the only place I can see us heading. When I was doing the newsletter, one of them I did about six, seven years ago, I drew an example of our, our presidential election being equivalent to stuff that you see on pay-per-view. And I'm thinking that that's the direction that our politics in America is going to head into a winner-take-all, extravaganza. Who's gonna win? Instead of what we need to be having, money is not leaving the system anytime soon and potentially is going to create a very nightmarish world for us, unfortunately. And hopefully, it's at first only every four years, but uh, I have a feeling it's going to get worse until we have. We have <inaudible>